Welcome to Real Herbalism Radio, show 225, recorded at Big Dog Studios in Eugene, Oregon. Today's show is made possible by the Herbal Nerd Society. Can you guys believe it? May 8th is just about here, like tomorrow, I believe. Uh, it's amazing. It's shocking. I'm a little bit overwhelmed. Herbs in Action Summit COVID and Beyond is about to launch. If you have not registered, you will want to get over and do that ASAP. Go to herbsinaction.com. The summit's going to be free all day. We have five amazing speakers. We have some pretty cool topics coming up. I'm excited to be sharing with you guys prevention, recovery, and how to handle symptoms for dealing with not just COVID, but all the different respiratory illnesses and flus and viruses that you can come up with. Go over there, herbsinaction.com, register, and um, quietly thank the Herbal Nerd Society because they're the ones who are sponsoring this amazing event. See you there tomorrow. Now here are your hosts. I'm Candace Hunter. I'm Patrick Hunter. And welcome, welcome to, to Real, Real Herbalism, Herbalism Radio. Radio. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Cammy had a very interesting beginning. Um, it was kind of fun listening to her. At first, I didn't think I'd have much of a connection, but after listening to her family and how she was brought up, it really reminded me of somewhat of the child that I had when I was a kid, you know, um, yeah. being able to explore and do all these things and, and get out and have grandparents that were... Um, you know, gardeners and, and those types of things and obviously didn't appreciate it then but looking back at it now going that was it was really a lot of um, learning and experience that helped shape me that that I didn't have before right you know I absolutely love and adore my family and I would not change my childhood for anything but you and Cammy both had childhoods that I, I have had some closet envy about because <laughs> I did not get to go roaming the mining pits or you know, going out on long mushrooming ventures with my grandfather or any, that stuff didn't happen. We weren't a very wilderness family. We were really urban. <laughs> we're very urban yeah, family. Yeah, I mean, you know, and I think about how that's formed um, my adult life and what I'm willing to to risk and try and, you know, um, versus what other of my peers don't yeah. risk or try. And even like our son's generation yeah, you know, their ability to risk and try is very limited. Yeah, growing up in the urban environment is very different from growing up you know, with that much in touch with with nature and the wilderness. Yeah, and I never thought of it that way. You know, yeah. when I was a kid, I it yeah. just it was that was that's where I lived. You know? I mean, I can tell you that I'll walk down streets and through areas that scare you, and I'll be fine. And I know how to handle myself in the city, but it's because I grew up in the city. Not even like I didn't grow up in the like downtown heart of the city. I grew up suburban, but because of being so citified, I know how to handle it, and it's you know second nature. And I've watched you have to like check yourself and remember to act certain ways in certain parts of town and that sort of thing. But yeah, you know, I you know your surroundings kind of thing. But yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. I grew up in an area where you didn't really have to think about that. Oh now, my gosh, you've told me stories about how. You know, you got in an argument with your friend on one side of town and then realized that some neighbor person or some person saw you and you realized what that meant. And then you're biking as fast as you can so you can get home to try to be home to mom and dad so you can tell them what really happened before the grapevine chain of phone chain gets all the way back home to your mom and lets you know so that yeah. you're walking in the door most of the time getting an earful before you can even say your piece. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, because, yeah, definitely, I mean, 
wasn't always that way. I mean, oh, you've told me a couple stories. But, the firecrackers. You, yeah, actually, that was Minneapolis. Yeah, that was that was when I lived in the big city. Um, but uh, no, I mean, it is true. You live in a small town. Everybody knows everybody. I mean, yeah. My my high school teachers or junior high teachers were teachers that taught my parents. Yeah. Yeah, right. that's crazy. So, to me, that's crazy. And, I mean, and they were still there when my brother and sister went through. So everybody mm-hmm. knew who they were and knew who their parents were. Right, right. Um, so that is a really crazy feeling. Yeah, know, that they recognize those it's those teachers. Yeah, um, it's weird, but yeah. yeah. So yeah, we, I, that's we had those things in common. But obviously, she was in California, and we were. I was right. in the middle of you know the God's great, country, in northern great, Minnesota. Great. Great white tundra. Yes. Or orange <laughs> great, tundra. Great, great white, white, white north. Isn't that what it's called? The great white north? Uh, that would be further north than us. <laughs> not much, honestly. Not much because I've seen that hey, territory. We are a country separated by language. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I love chatting with Cammy. Or Cammy. She is... She is just the nicest lady. Yeah, she puts she's the so practical into the practical herbalist for us. And that's yeah. literally when I was listening to her, I'm like, wow, she's just really a practical... Yeah. Herbalist, yeah, and uh, that I think that really resonated for you know, that conversation. Yeah, yeah, and I loved working with. I, I read the Herbal Kitchen, and mm-hmm. I loved working with the techniques. There's a lot of stuff in there that I've done before because I've you know done a lot of stuff. Um, she has a ghee method for making ghee that was so much easier than the way that I learned. You know, more than a decade ago. Yeah, I mean, you learned you learned the, the traditional. "Quote unquote American you know, Indian American way of doing it, right? Which was you know on top of a stove, which was very slow heat, and it would watch you, it, watch and it, and, and if you didn't, it would it would it would get dark and burned a little bit. Or yeah. you know, I remember multiple times where our ghee wouldn't be that golden yellow color. No, ours was it, always sort of that nutty brown, that nutty brown color. And, <laughs> you know, our friend Nisha would kind of. Kind of, kind of smile at you a little bit. Yeah, um, and we claimed we liked the nutty flavor. Yeah, we liked but that that flavor. And, and uh, the but, reality is, I was just not very good. Well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's why you you're, you weren't a baker at no, that point either, because no. bake you you would get onto something else and you'd forget that you had you had something mm-hmm. baking. And where yeah. I I always I'm the baker, so I always knew. But yeah. but I think when I saw the herbal ghee that you made, or just the ghee that you made after reading your book, I looked at it. I'm like. That looks just like anything I've seen commercially made. I know. It was a much – honestly, I mean, Cammy says that it's a complex, challenging process. She even, like, says in the book that, you know, just it's not that hard really, but you got to pay attention to what you're doing and follow the steps. And she is right. You do need to follow the steps, but it really was easier than the stovetop method by far. And I had fun. <laughs> Fun making that. So, mm-hmm. and I decided to try a couple of her um, blended ghee. Um, yeah, that was really keys. interesting to me because I had never, I'd never seen that done. Yeah, I've heard of it. I, I've read about it. Makes it. complete yeah. sense, but I yeah. had never seen it. So, right. What? What? I mean, the one you made a couple blends that, the one that I still haven't tried. Um, is the cordyceps one just because I know what cordyceps are and I, I just have a hard <laughs> the time mushroom with them. blend. I it just has have a hard time with them. It has powdered cordyceps, which I believe um, I originally got them from Mountain Rose Herbs, and I believe if I remember correctly, they were the um, domestically grown ones, so it's not you know they're I think they were all vegetable ones. 
all veg vegetarian or grown on See, a, I didn't even know not, there was... not grown on crickets or whichever kind yeah, of bug what, it is. I, just, I forgot. Again, yeah, that's just gross. But stuff. either way, they are <laughs> that it was cordyceps. And then I also had some powdered chaga. So I put both of those in. So this was not a recipe that was directly in her thing, but I had oh, them. Yeah, I had them and I had more than enough ghee, especially considering that at the point that I was making that, I was the only non-vegan in the household. Oh, yeah. And now I'm vegan, but I decided I'm going to adopt the Indian Ayurvedic approach to veganism, which includes occasionally being allowed to have ghee. So <laughs> why? Yeah. Well, well, but by Ayurvedic standards, I understand that that makes me still, it's still okay. So I, I don't think know why. You made four of them. You'd, yes. You, so you had the traditional ghee. I that had, was, oops, that was yeah. It. It, it, the it, recipe, the method she has makes three, uses three pounds of butter. So that's okay. a lot of ghee. It is. So, and for our family is small. And like I said, I was like, oh, this is going to be enough ghee to last me for like a year and a half at the well, rate that I use it. Well, you think so <laughs> until you made it and it was so good that that's what right. we use now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so you had the plain, the, the standard, you know, traditional ghee, right? Yep. And then you did, um, Garlic and and onion. Garlic and basil. Oh, I'm sorry, garlic and basil. Yeah, and that's straight out of her book. And that was amazing. Right. I, that one was. Way I mean, back. such I mean, a simple way to add flavor to your sautéing and to your other things that you're going to be doing so quickly. Uh, it's mm -hmm. just it blew me away. And that one, one of the things I love about that is that. In this time of COVID and viruses and concerns over how do we take care of ourselves, that one includes garlic, which has a lot of antibacterial properties, but it's also a very warming spice, and basil, which is a really warming spice. And it basil also has, you know, antimicrobial properties. So both of them are contributing to help to helping warming your digestive system and supporting that core heat that we need in a healthy amount to just digest well, to just not get sick. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, yeah, it's perfect timing, right? <laughs> well, for sure. Um, it was. The other thing that you did too was a, a cinnamon and hawthorn? Uh, yeah, it has cinnamon. It, yeah, cinnamon and hawthorn and... I think I added something else to that one. I just had that on toast the other day. Yeah. Just, and it just straight up. I didn't add anything else to it. None of our canned jellies and jams that we got or any of that mm -hmm. stuff. I just said, I'm going to go straight up with this. And I was amazed at how sweet it tasted. But there was no sugar in it. Right. Yeah. I think, it, yeah, it, was this, it must be the cinnamon that was making it was that so sweet. so good. You know, and it was so yeah. basic. Yeah, and the idea on that grouping was you know, supporting the heart and just general health and well-being. If you're supporting your heart through, like, hawthorn is, in Chinese medicine, hawthorn haws are used to support the stomach and digestion, which is, the they're talking about the channel, not just the organ, which ultimately ends up being really about supporting good circulation um, through your digestive system, mm -hmm. as well as through your heart. So the whole blend was about improving conditions in your chest so you know right again strengthening this the body so there was one other one you did i did a curried one too curry, that's i right. used um i think i used ginger and turmeric in that one mm -hmm. 
I don't remember offhand, but it was, it's got a curry flavor to it. And it, it makes putting together a really fast meal super easy. You know, slice up some vegetables, whatever you happen to have, throw the curried ghee in the pan. Once it's melted, fry the vegetables in it, put that on top of a bed of lettuce or a bed of rice or rice noodles or whatever it is you've got. And you have a very fast and easy meal, mm-hmm. and all the spices are just right there. Oh yeah, no, it's it's. I mean, it's so amazing how much flavor is derived from 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 that. I mean, you yeah, you could season and spice olive oil and stuff. I just don't know if it's going to be the same. That was so good. I mean, because the intensity of it, there's a lot of. There's a surprising amount of intensity, but it doesn't have that bitter front edge. No, that, uh, no, that no, most no. of the time, if you put a lot of powdered ginger and a lot of powdered turmeric. And even if you add cinnamon to it, you know, like just a very basic, basic style of curry powder. Put those three together and you use those for your curry powder. If you just do that, there's a bitter edge to it, that a bite that comes with it. Mm-hmm. But in the ghee, that bitter edge, you don't notice it. it. It doesn't, the flavor doesn't translate the same. Right. And I have no idea why, because you could fry, you know, your vegetables or whatever with, with butter. Or plain ghee, mm-hmm. and then add that powder in, and the flavor's different than if you did the ghee where the butters, the ghee has been already, the powder's already been mixed into it. Right. And I honestly, I don't understand myself why that is. I just noticed that the ghee offers a softening of the flavors in a way that's really delightful. And I think if I was someone who didn't like a lot of spices, I would really prefer the ghee style. Powdered powdered spices in the ghee uh, because it's less intrusive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, interesting part about all of those, though, they're all um, digestive spices. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, and she has a wide variety. I mean, not all of them are necessarily her recipes. Aren't all just digestive alone? Uh, but for our family, because of our switch toward a more plant based diet and away from the meats and the dairies, that is that switch helps to first detoxify the body, so that's good. But then once you become, you've gone through the majority of the detoxification part, you've gotten all the heat and the inflammation out, it can start to be harder for your body to digest those foods, especially if you have a tendency to eat a lot of raw vegetables. So if you're eating a lot of salads, that does what they call cooling the digestive fire. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a little bit, it takes more energy. It's a little harder for your body to do what it needs to do. So using spices like ginger and cinnamon and black pepper, cayenne, all of those various different spices that are warming spices, they warm your digestion, which means it kind of fuels your di- digestive system and makes it a little easier to absorb, break down and absorb all the foods that you're eating. So for vegetarian and vegan folks, those warming digestive spices are particularly important because the diet they're eating is cooling. So you need something to kind of balance the cooling nature of that many plants. So much stuff's going on. (laughs) Right? What I wanted to ask, though, I mean, (laughs) what was so unique about her process? Uh, For one thing, it's all done in the oven or majority, like most of it's done in the oven. And that's the part, the part that's done in the oven is the part that takes the longest. So if you're doing it on the stovetop, that's the part where you're tending to walk away if you're me. 
right. and forget what's going on. And then the point where the milk solids start to burn, it's like you're going and it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Oh, my God, they're burnt. <laughs> and even if I'm standing there watching it, I'll notice that it's a very rapid change. Kind of like when you're roasting um, nuts like cashews mm -hmm. in a pan on mm -hmm. the stovetop. Mm -hmm. They go from being raw, 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 and then suddenly you've got all these pieces that are black because they shifted so quickly. Right. The same thing happens with ghee and the milk solids. So when you're doing it in the oven the way that she suggests – that process doesn't it doesn't shift quite as fast, and it's easier to catch it at the right moment. And the thing is, is that the heat doesn't continue to build up. Right. Like in an oven, you have a straight heat. Yeah. You know, you're not fluctuating. It's not building and building and building. It's just yeah. that heat. And it's a not a direct heat. Yeah. Because like when you have it on a burner, it's a direct heat source coming from yeah. the base. In the oven, it's all around, and it's encompassing versus right. direct. Right. So yeah, I mean it's the same principle, I suppose. When you were, if you were just you know, slow smoke or slow roast, um, you yeah. know, a roast or a game or whatever, it's that that idea that's the slow process and controlled temperature that allows you to get what you're looking for. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think you're right. And um, as you were talking about it, I was thinking about how when I approached the recipe the first time, I was like, "Wow, three pounds of butter! Holy cow!" That, that's a lot. That's a lot of butter. That's a lot of butter. That's going to – we'll have – I wasn't kidding when I said it's like a year and a half in our household, you know. And now knowing what I know, if I were doing it again or when I do it again, I will probably plan for the extra going into canning jars but with a wide amount of headspace and then not sealed and then I'll freeze it mm. because I've freeze, frozen ghee in the past yeah, and it works just fine. So that's probably the approach I would take is I do the three pounds and I, you know, have a lot of canning jars worth of ghee there, but then I'd freeze all the ones that I'm not going to use immediately mm -hmm. and just have out the ones that I'm going to use immediately. So if you're like a single person and you don't eat a lot of ghee, but you want to try this, that would be a way to realistically do it and then not have it be wasteful. So yeah, um, if you're interested, check out Cammie McBride's book, Candace. The Herbal Kitchen. The Herbal Kitchen. Um, I'm sure it's available at some of the major booksellers, of course, on Amazon. Yeah. It's also available on our website through an affiliate link. And if you listen to one of our recent podcasts, you'll know what we mean when we say an affiliate link. Um, so there you go. Uh, but hey, we got an Herbal 101 question I was oh, going to read out for you here, Candice. Yes, what is it? Okay, so today's question is from Lindsay K. And Lindsay asks, I've made salves for years. And all of a sudden, the jars look like the salve is separating with the distribution inside looking messy and uneven. No idea why. I, I can send pictures. Any ideas? Thanks. That is a tough one, in part because, you know, obviously I don't know what what she used and what the process and what was. what the ingredients and are. And, and, and I haven't requested pictures at this point, although, honestly, probably the best way to do that if you wanted me personally to take a look at it, put it, a post on Instagram and use the hashtag the Practical Herbalist and then also tag the Practical Herbalist so I see the post is there and we can take a look at it. But truly even better yet, go sign up for the Art and Science of Plant Medicine Making with the Eclectic School of Herbalism, which is Thomas Easley's school. It's a huge program. I've done it. It's awesome. 
but more importantly, they've got a Facebook group for folks who are registered in that program, and people can ask any question. So that would be a perfect one for that group is post a picture of it and say, guys, this is what I did. This is what I used. What's What went wrong here? Another idea, and as you were just talking, I thought about this. You know, in brewing beer, mm -hmm. um, you follow the same course each time. Yeah. And if you, like me, you write the recipe down or you get your wife, the herbalist, to write the recipe down and she has it and then you repeat that every time and you repeat it and you repeat it and you repeat it. You use the same grains, same yeast, same everything, right? Well, sometimes I've done that and I've had a problem with the beer like multiple yeah. times. Right. I'm like, God, I'm doing the same ingredients. I'm doing the same process. I'm doing the same stuff. Well, in the case of my beer making, I found out that my stoppers were not getting sanitized well enough because they had a lifespan. Right. And yeah. they were rubber stoppers and you can't use – There's a point at which yeah. – well, Yeah. You, there's a point at which no matter what you do, you're going to get They're infected. infected yeah. So that was my part. So yeah. my suggestion, Lindsay, from a beer maker who's made lots of beer and had these issues happen, is to go back, look at every one of your ingredients. Are you using the same oil from the same manufacturer? Are you using the same herbs from the same place? Are you doing exactly the same? If you changed any one of those components – that could be the reason why you're not having success. Yeah. Are, and you, you know, are you using different containers? Are they being washed the same? I mean, these are the kinds of things that I would right. start to look to identify those issues. Yeah. And the one, the biggest question I had when I first read that question, I first you know, entertained it was, is there somehow water been introduced into the process? Yeah. Were the herbs wet? Was there, you oh. know, or are they not dried herbs? Is even, even more importantly, when you say water, a good example of that is during the holidays, butter manufacturers will add water to their butter to make the right. butter go further. So you'll start cooking with butter and you'll notice all this popping happening that you don't happen in the summer. Yeah. It's because there's more water in it. Now, it is possible the oil that you're using or the whatever carrier you're using, they may have lessened the quality of that oil to keep it at the price point that they're at. Right. Something right. may have changed in that manufacturing process. So that oil that you've been using forever right. may be different and right. you don't even know that it's different. Yeah. I mean, there's all these little things that happen to it. Yeah. So, I mean, without knowing what the ingredients, the process, all of that was, the only thing that I thought of was, oh, well, maybe somehow water was introduced into the process or into the equation. And if that's the case, that will cause the salve to separate quickly because really it's more of a lotion. And if you haven't emulsified it well with an emulsifying agent, it will eventually separate. Right. So I don't know if that helps any Lindsay with this particular batch, but definitely I would encourage you to take a look at the art and science of plant medicine making with the Eclectic School of Herbalism and consider, you know, purchasing the program and getting on the their Facebook group and asking. Hey everyone, it's Patrick with Real Herbalism Radio and the Practical Herbalist. Uh, one of our new sponsors is Sacred Blossom Farm. They do an incredible job of growing their own herbs right on their farm and they blend them together into these amazing uh, tea blends. One of the ones that we're going to focus on today uh, is tiger. Tiger contains adaptogenic herbs like Tulsi and ginseng and the tiger supports an energy that is grounded and focused. I think it's a little bit better than your morning coffee. Um, if you're interested in getting some blended tea shipped right to your door, sacredblossomfarm.com. And if you do so and you go and you, and you check out, make sure to use a coupon code, REALHERB15, and those, that's all caps, no spaces, 
Again, that's sacredblossomfarm.com. And just so you know, if you go there and you purchase um, a tea blend, not only do you get the discount, but the Practical Herbalist and Real Herbals from Radio gets a little bit of that as well. It helps us. Um, it supports us in doing what we're doing. So again, sacredblossomfarm.com. Hey, Patrick, you said something about some kind of YouTube reviews the other day. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, if you didn't know, is the Real Herbalism Radio is on YouTube. All of our, all of our um, past and present podcasts are on YouTube, not the video. All of our shows? All of the shows are there. So you can comment on them, and we'll get an email for that. So if you have a question on a show and you want to put it there, we'll get an email, and then we can answer that and answer it actually at YouTube. So as they always say, no like and subscribe, uh, and we'll actually see you. So for all of our YouTube fans now, um, we're there. And you can follow us and you can add us to your playlists and all those yes. other things that you can do with your with your your catered watching uh, um, page, your homepage on your YouTube. I'm trying to think <laughs> of what it's called. <laughs> I don't know. Our son calls it the feed. Yeah, there you go. Your YouTube feed. And every time, every week, we the new show will appear. And if you guys send us compliments, Patrick will do a happy dance. And if it's a really good compliment, maybe I'll do a really good happy dance and we'll film it with you on that. That would be awesome. I would like that. Okay. So as always, put, put an herb, herb on. on. Statements made about herbs and products on this podcast have not been evaluated by the United States Food and Drug Administration, FDA, and are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. All information provided on this podcast or any affiliated websites is for informational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for advice from your physician or other healthcare professional. You should not use the information on this podcast and its affiliated websites for a diagnosis or treatment of any health problem. Always consult with a healthcare professional before starting any new vitamins, supplements, diet, or exercise program before taking any medication, or if you have or suspect you might have a health problem. Any testimonials, questions, or case studies are based on individual results and do not constitute a guarantee that you will achieve the same results.